Well, let us pray. God, you are an amazing God. You have so much for us to know and learn. And we thank you so much that you give us instruction and you give us guidance through your word. We thank you for these times when we can reflect a little bit more on what you have for us to learn and to know. We thank you for the fruit of the Spirit as we are going through this to to understand why we are given the fruit of the Spirit and what impact it makes in and through our lives. So bless us in this time, Lord, we pray. Bless us as we seek you and live for you in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, last January, I went to the Synod, the Eco-Synod Conference in Texas. And when I got to the hotel, I was asked for my driver's license as I checked in. And so I have one of those phones where it has a little flap and you can put the, the driver's license in the phone. And so I opened up my phone and I went to get my license and it wasn't there. My license was gone. And, and you know, if you've ever lost them, you start to think like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Where did I put it? And you start thinking about every single movement you made, right, since you last saw it. And I realized that I must have put it down in, my, in the seat on the airplane and left it in the airplane. So I immediately went to my room, I started making all these calls, and didn't find it. Fortunately, they let me check in the hotel. They almost didn't let me check in the hotel. Tammy had to, to overnight me my passport so I could get home. <laughs> and when I got back, I had the fun experience of going to the DMV. <laughs> and so I got back, I went to the DMV, and I have to tell you, I was excited that it only took me four hours at the DMV. <laughs> now, the reason why I say I was excited that it only took me four hours was because when I first got in about 9 o'clock in the morning, I had the number G65. And then I heard the first number called, G30. G30. That's 35 numbers. So then about every five minutes, you know, G31. And then, after a little bit of time, I realized there was also F numbers, and there was H numbers. And so now, like every 20 minutes, a G number is being called. So I started calculating this. I'm like, I'm not even going to make it in by 5 o'clock if it keeps going like this. Then all of a sudden, at like 12.15, they just started calling all these G numbers in a row. And I was sitting up, and I was getting excited. And by 12.45, they called my number, and I got in. I was excited. I only had to wait four hours. <laughs> You know, that happens in life, doesn't it? All the time, we experience waiting in lines, right? Waiting at the DMV, waiting for a delayed uh, air flight, uh, driving in traffic. All of these things and more are the kinds of things that test our patience, right? They test our patience. This morning, we are continuing in our series, The Fruit of the Spirit, Winning the War Within. We're talking about how we need to overcome some of these issues that happen within us. And it is the fruit of the Spirit that we receive Jesus as our Savior, our Lord. We were filled with the Spirit. The Spirit gives us the fruit. Again, remember, we get all the fruit. It's all-encompassing. Love, joy, peace, peace, love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, or generosity, faithfulness, self, uh, self-control. Right? We're given these nine fruit of the Spirit. It's all-encompassing. The Spirit gives it to us all at once. And so we're talking about how can we allow this fruit of the Spirit to grow within us. And this morning, we're going to talk about three more, patience, kindness, and some think of it as goodness, others translate it as generosity. And we're going to talk about the importance of letting this fruit grow 
in us so that we can live the life that God has created us to live. So we think about our world, right? Our world is fast moving, isn't it? It's going at a great speed. And because of that, we too have incorporated this fast moving life into our lifestyle. It's just normal. It's just what you do. You just live fast, right? You, you're always busy. You're doing all these things. And so life is just going around you. And if something slows you down, maybe it makes you impatient. Maybe it makes you frustrated. Maybe even it even makes you angry. Because you're used to going so fast, you're not used to slowing down. And because of that, we also oftentimes miss what God wants us to see. There's an interesting story where a man went into a Washington, D.C. subway, and he started to play the violin. He played six Bach pieces over a period of 45 minutes. And because it was rush hour, there were thousands of people going through this subway. Well, about three minutes into his playing, there was a man who slowed down long enough to just kind of listen for about 15, 20 seconds and then move on. About six minutes into his playing, he got his first tip. The lady dropped a dollar in his violin case. And on and on it went for 45 minutes, people rushing by. In that course of 45 minutes, only six people stopped to listen to him. And those six people only listened for maybe a minute or two and then moved on. He got a total of $32 in tips. And when he stopped playing, only the silence remained. No one applauded. No one even recognized that he had stopped playing. Now, the interesting thing about this story is that the violinist's name was Joshua Bell. And he was one of the greatest musicians in the world. He was playing some of the most intricate pieces ever written on a violin that was worth three and a half million dollars. And two days prior to that, Joshua Bell had been playing at a sold out theater in Boston where the, the average cost of a ticket was $100. And not one person hardly even noticed this master violin player playing. That reminds us of what happens in our life. We are so busy, we're going so fast, that we miss out on what's going on in life. God says, I want you to have patience. I want you to slow down for things. I want you to make time for things. And isn't that what we just heard about in our reading from the Gospel of Luke? We have this wonderful story. Jesus is walking along, and there's a crowd of people all around him, right? And up comes this synagogue ruler. His name's Jairus. And he says, Jesus, please, my daughter is dying. Will you come and heal her? And so Jesus says, yes, I will. And so they start to go towards Jairus' house. And something else is going on as this is happening. This woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, seen doctors, hadn't been healed. She'd heard about Jesus, and she was pushing through the crowd. And there was this great crowd around him. And she was pushing through the crowd, and she thought, if I could just touch his robe, I don't even have to encounter him. I just need to touch his robe, and I will be healed. And she's pushing, and she's forcing her way through it. I'm sure she's making a lot of people upset, right? And she's pushing, and she finally gets close enough to where she can touch Jesus' and the scripture tells us she immediately was healed. And so Jesus is walking, and this crowd is all around him, and he stops, and he says, who touched me? 
And of course, they're like, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody is touching you. The whole crowd is touching you. And Jesus says, no, I felt power go out from within me. Now, at this moment, you could just imagine Jairus, right? But Jesus, Jesus, my daughter. Jesus, my daughter. Everybody's kind of getting impatient, right? Jesus, his daughter, his daughter, she's dying. Jesus, you need to hurry. Jesus says, no. Who touched me? And the woman says, I did. Jesus knew what happened. Jesus knew that someone had been healed because they touched him. Isn't that interesting that all these other people were touching him, but she touches him and power goes out of him. She touches him and he is healed. And he knows that. And so he doesn't want her just to be physically healed. He wants her to be spiritually built up. He wants to have this encounter. So he takes the time. He stops in his busyness, right? Because he's going to heal this woman or this uh, girl. And he stops and he has this encounter with her. And he says, your faith has made you well. Wow. What an affirmation. He took the time to encounter her in the busyness around him. He showed patience with her. And because of that, she was not only physically healed, but she was spiritually uplifted in that time. How do you need to slow down? Where are you so busy that maybe you're missing something that's going on? Maybe why are you not slowing down? You are missing things the Lord has for you to encounter and see when you do not take the time to slow down. Now, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying look at your schedule and completely change your own schedule. But what I'm saying is there are going to be times when there's interruptions in your life and you need to welcome those interruptions because oftentimes those interruptions are by, from God. God sends those interruptions into your life and says, I have someone for you to encounter. I have someone for you to touch. I want you to touch their life. Somehow you have this unique ability through me, my spirit's going to be in you, and you need to just take the time, be patient with whoever you're dealing with, and just be with them, right? Take the time to slow down and encounter what God has for you. Well, the second fruit that we're talking about this morning is kindness. Kindness is the act or the state of being kind and is marked by charitable behavior and concern for others. Now, kindness is actually considered one of the knightly virtues found in the medieval code. And it's one of those, those uh, values that uh, many cultures and religions uh, lift up. Kindness is important in a lot of different cultures and religions. And what's interesting, we just talked about patience. Patience actually leads to kindness. I mean, because think about this. If someone, you're encountering someone, and they're maybe difficult, and you don't show patience with them, it's difficult to be kind, isn't it? If you're impatient with someone and then you try to be kind to them, <laughs> they don't receive that very well, do they? So patience and kindness, they go together. In fact, the Apostle Paul, we'll see him put it together here. 2 Corinthians 6, 3-7, and the yellow part, please read with me. And Paul says this, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God... We commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, 
in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Paul says, I don't want to be a stumbling block to anyone. I don't want to keep anyone from coming to Jesus. And I know that one of those things that I need to do, actually a couple of those things I need to do, is I need to show patience and I need to be kind to people because those are two of the fruit that actually help lead people to Jesus. And Paul says, I don't want to be a stumbling block. I want to, to behave in a way, I want to encounter people in a way that I'm actually leading them to Jesus. I'm not keeping them from Jesus. I'm not being a stumbling block in any way. I want to model patience and kindness. See, in the midst of the challenges and struggles of dealing with people, we're going to face difficult situations. We're going to face difficult people. But in the midst of that, we need to find a way to be kind. Paul knew he could only do this when he allowed the fruit of the spirit of kindness to be at work in him. When he said, Holy Spirit, give me the ability to be kind to others in all situations and with all people. He knew that his sinful behavior would overcome his kindness at times and it would become a stumbling block to others if God was not working the fruit of kindness in him. Jesus also gives us an example of uh, kindness. In John 21, 15 to 17, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, summoned John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, you might be familiar with this passage. What was going on is Jesus had been resurrected and he encountered Peter. You remember, before Jesus was crucified, before he was arrested, right, he was uh, encountered with people saying, you're a follower of Jesus. Three times he said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't know the man. Three times he denied Jesus. So it's not a coincidence that when Jesus comes back to Peter, he says three times, Peter, do you love me? He gives Jesus, uh, Peter the opportunity three times to affirm his faith, to affirm his love in Jesus. He was showing this kindness to Peter because he knew that Peter was hurting that the biggest need that Peter had, the biggest need that Jesus can meet for Peter was to lift him up and say, Peter, you are still an important part of the future of the Christian church. You are that rock of the mission of the church. And I want to affirm in you that I still believe in you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And each time he said, feed my sheep, right? He, he gave this example of sheep because a shepherd was always kind to his sheep. Oftentimes, they would go astray. They would wander away. They wouldn't do what they were supposed to do. And the shepherd had to, to show a great amount of concern and kindness to the sheep to guide them along and to, and to help them do what they needed to do. And Jesus was saying to Peter, you need to be kind to those you will encounter. They will let you down. 
They will not do what you want. They will not believe as you think they should believe. Be kind to them. Feed my sheep. Care for my sheep. Take care of my sheep. There's a story of a young man, a little boy uh, named Philip. He was nine years old, and he, one Sunday morning, was brought into this Sunday school class. The Sunday school class was a class of eight-year-olds. And so he was different in that he was nine and they were eight, and they, they recognized the age difference. But he was also different in that he had Down syndrome. And so he was a little slower, and he looked a little different. And it, the kids, because of that, you know how kids can be. They treated him a little different. One day, the teacher gave the kids an assignment. They, she gave them all an egg, and she said, I want you to go outside, and I want you to find something that reminds you of new life. So the kids went out, and they were all scurrying around, finding stuff, and then they came back in, and they gave their eggs to the teacher, and the teacher, one by one, opened the eggs. She opened the first egg, and it was a seed, and the little girl said, oh, that, you know, something grows from that new life from the seed. And then she opened the second one. It was a flower, you know, the new life of a flower blooming. And on and on the teacher went, opening the eggs. And she came to one egg, and, and she opened up the egg, and it was empty. She realized this is probably Phillips. He probably didn't understand what I asked him to do. So she didn't want to embarrass Phillips, so she started to set the egg to the side. But Philip spoke up. He said, teacher, that's my egg. And then at that moment, all the kids started to laugh. Again, like the teacher thinking that Philip didn't understand the assignment. But then he continued, teacher, I left the egg empty because the tomb was empty. And because the tomb was empty, I have new life. Wow. At that moment, the kids understood the powerful statement he just made. And from that moment on, they didn't treat him any different. Why do kids have to be so cruel? Why do we have to be unkind to other people? You know, that's a challenge, isn't it? Sometimes we're unkind, maybe because people are unkind to us, so we're unkind back to them, right? Maybe we're unkind because they're different from us, and we don't get along with them. Or maybe we are unkind because we just don't get along. God says, I want to put in you the spirit, the fruit of kindness, so that you can be kind and in your kindness, you will not be a stumbling block to leading people to Jesus, but you will show the deep concern that God has for all people. Proverbs 14, 21. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Galatians 6, 1-2. Brothers and sisters, Paul says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. When we are kind to others, we touch people in a deep way. And when we are kind to others, we draw people to the Lord. When we see a need, and we want to be kind to them by helping them. Well, lastly, uh, we have the fruit of generosity or goodness. Different translations translate it different ways. But let me give you this definition of it. Generosity is showing a goodness that goes beyond what is expected. It is the desire within us, the desire to be good. 
Some refer to it as an aggressive goodness, <laughs> an aggressive generosity. This desire comes from the Spirit putting within us the desire to want to do good things, to want to, to give to others in need. You know, in our lives, we've all had times when we've been generous, right? We've helped people out, we've given. But someone who has the fruit of generosity blooming in them, it would just come naturally. It would just be like they're breathing, right? They, you know people like this, right? They see someone in need, and their immediate response is, oh, I need to help that person. I need to give that person. That person has a need, I need to give to them. And it just comes right out of the goodness of their heart. I just want to help that person. That person has a need. I just want to give to them. The gift of giving is what it's about. John uh, 13, 50 to 17, let me read this passage for you. Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And he says this after he's washed their feet, right? He says, very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. See, what happened is they came to a place. It was the Last Supper, right? They were joining together. Jesus knew that he was going to be arrested and crucified. He, they came into this house. It was just them. Normally, you come into the house. The servant washes your feet, right? And then you enter the house. Well, in this house, there was no servant. They just entered. It was just them. And so they had no one who had washed their feet. But customarily, their feet were supposed to have been washed. So there was a need there, Right? And so what does Jesus do? He goes and he washes their feet. He sees the need and he does it. Now, of course, they're just like, oh, Jesus, what are you doing? You're our master. You're our Lord. Why are you washing my feet? Peter was appalled, right? Like, no, you can't wash my feet. But Jesus says, it doesn't matter that I'm your master. What matters is that there was a need. And the need needed to be met. And I am being generous to you by washing your feet. And then he said, and I want you to do the same when you see others in need. I have set an example for you so that when you go out and you see a need, there's not a need that's too low for you, right? You don't say, oh, that's the job of a servant. I can't do that. No. Whatever the need, whatever you see, go and take care of it. I, your master, have given you the example of what you need to do. But along with this gift of giving, this generosity, um, we need to give of our, our money, our possessions, our time, right? I mean, the gift of giving is so important as followers of Christ. You know, there are people who give because they know they're supposed to give, right? There are people who give because they're expected to give. So maybe there's sometimes people come to church, right? And the offering plate, maybe you've experienced this offering plate, goes around, and you see the offering plate, and you have a little guilt like, mm, I should probably give, huh? And so you pull out you know, a little money and toss it in, right? And you give because you are expected to give. You give because you think you're supposed to give. When the, the spirit of generosity, the spirit of goodness, when that fruit is being born and grown in us, we will give because we desire to give. We will give because that's what God leads us to do, is to give. And we will give generously. And people who have this fruit at work in them receive joy when they give. 
They receive joy. They give, and they're like, I am so excited. I can't wait to see how my money is going to be used for the kingdom of God. I can't wait to bless that person with this, this, you know, I saw that person, they had a need, and I bought this gift for them. I can't wait to give this gift to them because it's going to bless them. A person who has this fruit receives joy when they give. This giving spirit comes from having a genuine care and concern about others. Romans 12, 15, read it with me. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. You know, one of the best ways you can give to someone is you care deeply for them, right? If they're going through a hard time and you walk alongside them, that is powerful. If they're excited about something, you rejoice with them. When you walk with them in their life, when you are emotionally involved with someone and you care sincerely and deeply, then you are going to touch a person's life. That is part of the gift of generosity. Walking with someone in their highs and their lows and genuinely being concerned about their life. If we want to see the fruit of generosity alive in our lives, we need to be aware of the problems that exist around us and say, God, are you calling me to help with something? We need to look at the injustices in the world and say, God, is there a way that I can help these people overcome this injustice that's coming to them? Look around, keep your eyes open. What are the needs around you? And where is God calling you to maybe get involved? And a lot of times we don't get to, want to get involved, do we? We don't want to complicate our lives. We're getting involved in someone else's life. But sometimes God calls us to do that and be generous in the giving of our, our money, our time, our gifts, our emotions, our friendship, being generous with those who are in need. Oh, quick story here, right? Good Samaritan, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, right? This Jew is walking along, he's beaten and robbed, left for dead. A priest walks by, leaves him alone. A Levite walks by, a synagogue official walks by, leaves him alone. Samaritan comes by. Samaritan is an enemy of the Jew, but the Samaritan sees this Jew. He's hurting. He's in need, obviously, right? He's in pain. Might be dying. So he takes time to give him some water, to care for his wounds as much as he can at that moment, puts him on a donkey, takes him to a place where he can see more, need, uh, more uh, uh, healing, more help, and he pays for it out of his own money. Pays for it out of his own money. Jesus says, he's caring for this man. He's being generous to him because he's giving from his very being and from his, his own money to meet the need that this man has. Read the yellow with me, Matthew 5.16. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, we're told in 1 Corinthians 13.4 that love is patient, and love is kind, right? We're told in 1 John 5 that God is love. We're told that we are created in the image of God. So if we're created in the image of God, then we need to love like God, right? And one of the ways we love like God is to be patient and to be kind and to be generous, right? Wasn't God generous with us? For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son. He gave. He generously gave his son for you and for me. That is the gospel right there. Jesus was generous. He gave his only son so that we might have eternal life. We have that as a gift to give to others. And we have the, the gifts of 
of patience and kindness and good. You know, those three fruit are really very easily seen, aren't they? They are action-oriented fruit. You can see if someone's patient or not. You can see if someone's kind or not. You can see if someone is generous or not. And so I pray for you that you would pray this week to say, Lord, help me to be more patient. Help me to be more kind. Help me to be more generous, that I might shine my light in a way that leads people to Jesus. Let us pray.